ESPN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. What makes a man? Is it the power in his hands? Is it his quest for glory? Give it all you got to, to fight to the top. So we can know your story. Hello and good evening, or, well, it may not be evening where you are. Live it, live you probably it. aren't, you can't listen to this live. So hello, hello and welcome to another edition of Manly by Nature here on the DBN Network. Manly! I am Manly and loving it, a.k.a. the Vanilla Gorilla. And I am on the way to the grocery store because today is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2017, a.k.a. the day before Thanksgiving. It's 7.35 p.m. And because my girlfriend is not, we were not dating last Thanksgiving, we started dating in April, she didn't realize that it was a bad idea to leave Ojosue in charge of getting the supplies for Thanksgiving. I really meant to do it sooner. But, I, I, you know, issues, got my paycheck today, <laughs> meant to go earlier, kind of slipped my mind, and I couldn't remember what I was supposed to get, so I had to talk to the girlfriend, and then I kind of got lost in something I was doing. Uh, so it's 7.35, I'm on the way to the store, hopefully though I'll be able to get what I need. Uh, especially, uh, we were going to do something different, so we were going to do duck instead of turkey. I love duck, it's one of my favorite meats, and Tracy loves duck apparently, or likes it at least, because she suggested we have it for Thanksgiving. So hopefully I can get some, you know, I'm kind of cutting it close, 7.40 on on the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, I can obviously make turkey, I make an amazing turkey if I do say so myself, but there's a process to it, so if I gotta do the turkey then, oh Jesus, I gotta get a bunch of fish that hopefully I can find tonight. It involves, you know, making a brine and putting it in a thing overnight to brine and flipping it over in the middle of the night. It's a pain in the say, but it's worth it because it's so juicy. Everybody always says, turkey is so dry. Not my turkey, all right? Try my turkey. I'm not saying it's the tastiest turkey you'll ever have because, I mean, turkey in general is relatively bland, but damn, it's the juiciest, all right? I don't guarantee it, but it's juicy. Every time somebody has my turkey, they say, oh my God, that's the juiciest turkey I've ever had. No lie. All right. I'm on the way, like I said, to the grocery store, so I'm going to try to get this, get you, get a show in, because I wanted to talk about a couple things, but you know, it's a hectic week, the week before Thanksgiving, or excuse me, the week of Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving. Why do I wait to the last minute? I, I honestly forgot that Thanksgiving was like coming up so quickly, you know? We were talking the other day about what we were going to do for Thanksgiving, like what things we were going to make. And then all of a sudden I'm like, it's tomorrow. And I went to this, I actually, I went to the store last night. It was like this time again. I, you know, I actually, I prefer going to, I, that's why I got to start go, doing stuff earlier in the day. I actually enjoy going to the grocery store like at like 11 in the morning, you know, or 1030 in the morning. There's not many people there, just old people. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I've slacked off, so it's, 
the evening and like last night I went to the grocery store, not for Thanksgiving stuff, I just, I went for cereal <laughs> and some dog food and um, there was like so many people in there and I'm like, God, why is it so crowded in here at 7.30 on a Tuesday? And then I was like, oh, Thanksgiving's in two days. In the past, I would always, usually when I first left for college, you know, or whatever, up until I moved to California, would always do Thanksgiving I always go to Mobile, which is where my family lives and where I'm from and all that. And then when I moved to California, it was a little hard to go, you know, home for just Thanksgiving. I had Thanksgiving out in California. And then when I moved to Florida, I started doing it here because it was nice not having to, like, pack up everything. And I guess not pack up everything. But, I mean, I have pets and, you know, I always take crap. You know, you go some, you go, you go, you go, you have to go several hours of driving and uh you know you, you tend to overpack a little bit because when you're like all right well it's gonna be like four or five days i don't know exactly how much crap i need but out in california I realized how nice it was not having to go to people for thanksgiving so I started having it at my place now the first two years i lived or the first two thanksgivings because i've been i moved to moved to florida in, in late september 2015 so i've been here just over two years now which is crazy feels like I just moved here like a year ago with that um first two Thanksgivings had it at my house which I had a big kitchen so it was no big deal but now I live in a rather rather small apartment and so I'm not really looking forward to spending I, I mean I like cooking I really do but yeah it gets hot in the small kitchen you know you got the oven going all day because you're trying to do five different things gonna be a pain oh i'm almost to the grocery store already man i've been talking too long about this then all right i gotta run into here see if they got duck this is the place that i would assume if they're gonna have duck they're gonna have in here um so yeah i want i do want to thank tracy guito which is at guito art on twitter i mean not on twitter well yeah on twitter and instagram but mostly uh you know if you want to see her stuff it's on instagram she was kind enough to join me she um i knew she didn't know much about sports she doesn't really like sports i didn't know how i didn't know that she completely knew how, you know nothing about sports i didn't know that she didn't know what the super bowl was you know I was surprised, but she grew up in a, uh, you know, uh, here, I mean, you know, if you've ever wondered why people always say Miami has, like, the worst sport, is the worst sports city, I mean, there you go, like, there's a lot of different, you know, cultures here, Tracy is Haitian, she comes from a Haitian family, and they don't, you know, I guess, I guess it's not particularly football and, ba and baseball and basketball is not particularly huge in the Haitian community, I don't know. I'm gonna try to get her to, uh, I'm gonna try to, you know, I, I, if, you know, if you don't like sports, you don't like sports, right? It's just weird to me, like, growing, like, growing up in Alabama, even if you don't really like sports, like, you just, you have to know a little bit about football, because it's so, it's so omnipresent, you know what I mean? It's, like, s such a huge part of, like, the culture that even you know like my mom doesn't really know much about football but i mean she watches football you know what i mean like i mean it's you know it's always a little i'm not saying anything negative about my mother of course but sometimes when you're like i watched the super bowl a couple of year a couple of years ago with my mom and some other ladies and 
you know, watching football with... Uh, it's going to sound sexist. It's not sexist. It's not because they're women. It's because they they didn't grow up following football or whatever. You know, I was watching football with these several ladies, and yeah, it can be a little frustrating watching football with all... Especially the Super Bowl with all people that don't... They don't follow football. They're just, what is that? What is that? Fight? Wait, no, that's stupid. No, he shouldn't do that. Oh, they can't do that. Yeah, they can. He shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, he's supposed to do that. Well, that's just dirty. No, no, it's not. But then sometimes, it's, you know, sometimes it is dirty. But anyway, 745. I'm here at the grocery store. I'm going to have to pause this for a minute. i got to run in here before the store closes. Woo! All right. I have the meat. They did not have straight duck. But what they did have was turducken. So that's what I got. Got some turducken. Now I'm on the way to the other grocery store because well, I'm not an idiot. You know, this grocery store is, is the specialty place. You know, that's expensive, man. I go there to get meat if I need something different or some kind of special spices or something. But I'm, I'm not buying all my groceries there. Hell no. So I'm heading over to Publix. Do, 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 do. What was I talking about earlier? I think I was talking about teaching Tracy about sports it's gonna be an I like I said I don't you know if you don't want if you don't particularly enjoy sports that's fine so I don't want to force her to to um sit around and watch sports all day but since I you know you want to share the things that you enjoy with the people that you care about so I would like to uh you know to her her I would like to teach her a little bit about football and since she said she kind of enjoyed basketball maybe basketball and you know we've already been to one hockey game we're going to another one next friday so yeah hopefully i can get her to the point where she can at least watch uh football with me and not be like this what is this horrible brute brutal sport where they're so violent hey, come on man then maybe we can go watch we can watch a little basketball every once in a while oh Oh, I'm gonna have to sit in the parking lot for a minute before I go in. So I'm such a broken down old man. I don't know what I, you know. I'm I'm very tall. I'm six six. Tall people often, and I have like a long torso. I have I have long legs, of course. I mean, I'm tall. I'm really tall, but compared to most people my height, I have like I have more like short, not short legs, but I mean, I have more of a long torso, a long orb, a long upper body more so than super long legs i don't have that like super uh lanky figure i'm i'm like proportioned for my size you know i'm, I'm sexy uh let's see was this the public parking lot oh my god it's crowded so anyway my back i've had back problems for a long time on and off you know but lately oh my god for the last year or so they've been it's been really bad and then for the last like two weeks like I my lower back hurts so bad like I can't really walk around more than a few minutes before it's like makes me want to just sit down in the middle of wherever I am I just want to lay down <laughs> like in the middle of the aisle at the grocery store and just be like ah, <laughs> my back hurts ah. but you know it's to be expected I guess one I'm really tall two back pain I've read it's the number one problem that people miss work for and it's one of the number one things people go to the doctor for it's the number one thing that like pain medicines prescribed for or something like that lower back pain 
So, of course, if you go to the doctor and you're like, what's the problem? Oh, lower back pain. They either are going to be like, well, yeah. One, you're 6'6". Six, six. Two, you're a little overweight. Three, everybody has back pain. Or they're like, all right, this guy just wants some, like, Percocet or Vicodin or something. Because, you know, it's like the... It's the number one thing people say they have to get drugs, supposedly, because there's not really conclusive physical... It's like not really a diagnostic test you can just do real quick in the office and be like, yep, it's his lower back. You know, uh, you can have back pain for a plethora of reasons. So anyway, dealing with that, it's not, I mean, whatever, right? Nobody cares. Take better care of yourself. On Sunday, I want to talk about this and then I got to go because I got stuff to do. But Thanksgiving... Make, I'm hoping it's going to be a good Thanksgiving and for me and mine, me and mine, and I'm hoping it's a wonderful Thanksgiving for you and yours. But moving on to the Browns. Sunday, the Browns played the Jaguars, and it was a complete show of a game. Just a bad game on both sides. Both teams didn't play well. A few bright spots, mostly bad. You know, and I'm not one to freak out, and after a few losses, you know, I don't really think oh, well, we've had this many losses in a row or we've our record's this, so we have to make changes. I prefer to look at things on a game-by-game, case-by-case basis, whatever. That being said, I'm also not, and this isn't to speak ill of my main man, Easy Weave, but, you know, Easy, to his his credit, because I don't know how he does it, (laughs) is, you know, able to really focus on pointing out the positives. You know, that's not to say that he doesn't realize there's problems, but he actively looks for the positives that you can take out of a situation. And that is, that's a wonderful perspective to have. God bless the man for being able to do that. Me, I just try to be realistic. I try to be, um, I try to be unemotional in my analysis, good or bad, right? Try not to be making decisions based on some kind of an emotional, uh, attachment. Up until this point in the season, I, I've said that, you know, Sashi and Hugh, I, I could tell there was, uh, there was uh, as the most people could, tell there was an issue there, some conflict. And I said that, you know, this is part of the process, and it is part of the process as far as being a bad team when you're doing something completely different. Not completely different, but, you know, they brought in Sashi and Paul D. Podesta and these people for a reason, to try their approach, not to try a, quote, traditional football approach. Which doesn't mean that they're not, they don't, under, it doesn't, just because you're, you're trying a different approach doesn't mean that you're not, you know, having football, we need football guys in the front office or whatever. Going back to when we hired Hugh Jackson, I think most Browns fans were excited because it was like, he was the, he was probably at the time the hottest name on the market, right, that could have for that offseason, he was the guy that if you were looking at the uh, va- the head coaching vacancies and you were like, all right, who are the who's going to be on people's shortlist? Hugh Jackson was the guy that you would have said, we probably aren't going to be able to get him because he's going to be on a lot of people's shortlist and he's going to go somewhere else. And then, lo and behold, we got Hugh Jackson to be the coach. And I was I was glad. I was fine with it. I wasn't... I wasn't... Uh, I was not elated nor despondent about it i was just like oh cool we got a uh you know a head coach that people want and that was a hot coaching commodity you could say that's cool right 
And I, but I did wonder, like, okay, you know, is not that I thought he wouldn't, but I had to because I didn't know that much about Hugh Jackson. I knew who he was. I knew that he he was the head coach for a year with the Raiders, and and you know, and um, took them to an okay record, not okay, but decent record until Jason Campbell broke his uh, collarbone against the Browns and all that kind of stuff. And then he was you know a successful offensive coordinator for the Bengals and such. Um, so I wasn't like questioning like his um, his coaching ability, but I wondered if he was going to uh, buy in because he seemed like in my in my mind he seemed like more of what you would call a traditional football guy, and so I wondered because I thought and I still and I'm even more so today, but at the time I thought. Um, it was important to have a coach that was going to buy in to their plan of like we're not going to do this the quote traditional way so like we're going to take a different approach to free agency or we're going to take a very cal like you could say calculated right not just making decisions based on quote traditional scouting or traditional coaching or traditional gming whatever they're going to take a more calculated approach to things looking at different sets of data and deciding what's the best process best approach and blah 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 and so at the time i wondered hmm is hugh jackson the right guy for like the for the approach that we're taking well hopefully so since that's who they hired and then when people talked about him as like a great player a great players coach and i was like okay well maybe maybe he's going to be a guy that he wants you know success and he's going to work with the players um, and be more focused on getting the players where they need to be and, and leave the personnel more up to the front office. Or maybe this is going to work. Maybe, you know, Hugh's going to be more focused on, like, hey, you give me who you're going to give me, and I will coach those players, in, you know, as best I can to get a winning product. However, you know, I did know that there was he had some issues in, in Oakland. I, knew, I was aware of that situation. Moving forward to today, I remain, or I, I find myself a little agitated at the notion that we're experiencing these same issues that we always experience in the front office. Same thing we had with uh, Ray Farmer and, and Haslam and Petten and, and Banner and Lombardi and, and Haslam and blah, blah, blah. Same issues. You know, you, you, remember when, when they were here in the, when Bambardi was here and they called it like a toxic situation in the front office and then we had Ray Farmer and Petten, which they seemed to get along okay for a little while and then it seemed like, oh, they're not getting along so well and it was, you know, supposedly the there were some issues with between the coaching staff and the front office. And then you're like, all right, well, we're bringing in the, uh, you know, we're promoting Sashi and we're bringing in Paul D. Podesta. Surely, whoever we're going to hire <laughs> to be the head coach is is coming in with the understanding that things are going to be a little different than what he would, or that he was going to he that the coach would be coming in, understanding that when you're coming in under Paul D. Podesta and Sashi and this guy that's coming over from baseball to football to try and manage our processes and make sure we're we're doing things intelligently and blah 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 that Hugh would not want to immediate not immediately but not would not want to influence the owner as far as what decisions were going to be made and try to you know gain more 
more power over the organization as a whole. However, I believe that is what it precisely is what is happening is that, and it's not just me, many people are, are you know, I've seen many reports of this and it, it, it completely makes sense to me watching it. Hugh Jackson, you know, my first podcast of the year, my first podcast in a year, I said that I thought Hugh Jackson was like the pastor of the Browns. And I, st- and I think that's a good description. Still, I think it's a very apt description. I think Hugh Jackson thinks of himself as, you know, this uh, player's coach and this guy that's... I don't, think he, I don't think Hugh wants to lose, but I think he only wants to win his way. And if he's going to do things his way, and if we lose, so be it. But he's he's trying to win, but he's only trying to win the way that he wants to win. And he's hoping that by lose or not hoping that we're losing, but when we lose, that he's hoping that he is showing Haslam that he needs more power and influence over the players that we bring in, the player selections. That is what I think is happening. I think he is going to run his offensive scheme. He's going to call the plays no matter what. You know, he's going to run his scheme, no matter if it's getting Kaiser killed, no matter if we need to be taking nine-step drops and leaving Spencer Drango, you know, by himself to, you know, in, in the two-minute drill to take on the other team's best, you know, best rushers while trying to let a rookie, you know, do these deep drops and read the field and make throws. You know, any the to me, I've said, I believe I've said this before on one of my shows last year. I don't know. To me, uh, what a coach is supposed to do to be successful is take what he does and then take what the the players do and find the best melding of the two for success. And what I think Hugh Jackson is doing is he's making his players try to do what he wants to do and if we lose and he can say well I tried to do it but we lost because I don't have the right players I mean when anytime you come out and say which he said like twice in the last three or four weeks that we have to do we have to do everything you know my guy I'm doing the best I can the guys are doing the best they can but right now we have to do 100% we have to do everything right to win games I think he has put himself in this position where he he's making himself into a martyr a little bit, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm a player's coach. I'm I've got the guys they're fighting for me every week. We're doing the best we can. We're we're not giving up no matter what. And we still can't win because I don't have the quarterback I need. I don't have even though well you you're the one that wanted RG three, right? He can't say that he didn't get the court you know, he could say now that he doesn't maybe have a quarterback that he feels he can win with, but he can't say that you know, he hasn't been able to bring in the quarterback that he wanted. He brought in, he's the reason that we brought in RG3. If not for bringing in RG3, who would have, who knows if we would have drafted differently last year, you know, drafted differently this year. Who knows, right? If we didn't have, if we weren't bringing in RG3, maybe, and that was what I said. Go back to one of my, the podcast last year, Manly by Nature. I don't know which episode it was. But the one after we signed RG3, and I said, I I didn't want to sign RG3, but I didn't care as long as it did not change our approach to addressing the quarterback situation one iota as far as the draft. You know, if they wanted to draft 
um, which granted, you know, obviously they didn't have a chance to go to draft golf. But if they wanted golf or Wentz or Paxton Lynch, whoever it was, and they brought in RG three, as long as they didn't say, okay, now that we have RG three, well, it makes more sense for us to trade back, blah blah. blah. Like no, <laughs> but if if they wanted to bring an RG three, whatever, as long as it doesn't change how they're going to draft. You know, it's impossible to know if that did change because they made you know they brought him in and more or less made him the starter and he you know and he didn't play very well. He got hurt and now. I mean, he uh, uh, as soon as they they said like you know they put out that quote that like supposedly Hugh Jackson said like the ground shook beneath his feet or whatever. I was just like, oh no, I don't know. That's not to say that I put not drafting Carson Wentz on Hugh or whatever. All I'm saying is I think it's impossible to know if... I don't think it was the right decision to sign RG3. I didn't think it was at the time. I was just like, all right, if it doesn't change our draft plans or whatever, then then whatever. Who cares? As long as he's just another guy in the room. But I don't think... I think he was clearly Hugh's guy. Hugh brought him in, and then Hugh more or less was like, all right, he's going to be the starter because he's the guy that I want. Uh, to you know, to bring in the guy that I I can coach, he, I think he can fit my scheme, all that bullshit. And uh, yeah, and I think that what's frustrating is now you know here we are a year and a half later, and we, you know we've had these uh, some you know we've obviously struggled mightily, but it seems like in some situations like with the uh, the McCarran thing, she, she has been able to you know, get into the ear of, of the Haslam's and be like, you know, I need, you know, can, you know, you see, you see what's happening. We're losing every game. I'm trying my best. The players are, they're not giving up. You know, I need a quarterback that I can win with. I need this. I need that. Um, unless, you know, with the players that Sashi's given me, unless we do everything right, we're going to lose, which I think is complete horse because we've had, we've played so many games just this season that we, that, that we logically, whatever, could have won with some better either time management a few better plays here and there a few less mistakes a few a better play calling etc i mean the play calling i was so angry after that game about the play calling and i was so angry knowing that people were going to say oh kaiser two fumbles in the last those fumbles are as much on hugh jackson as they are on kaiser all right you can say oh well he held on to the ball a half second too long he's got to know to get rid of he's a rookie you know what you know what is the better thing to do instead of telling the rookie, hey, you know, you've got Spencer Drango and Sean Coleman, you know, two guys are in their second year, their first year of starting on both sides of the line. You've got those guys protecting you. You know, we're going to have you do these deep drops. you got to be able to get rid of the ball soon, you know, really quickly. If it's not there, throw it away. If what, Instead of doing all that, you know what? The offensive play caller can say, I'm going to make this take the burden as much as possible off of my rookie quarterback from having to take these deep drops read the field worry about stepping up to the pocket as soon as he hits his back foot because my young left and right tackles are dealing with these edge rushers if you don't see how that is bad play calling and just stubbornness from the person calling the offensive plays and you just want to blame it on kaiser i just think you you have it in your head that kaiser is the problem that is a huge any decent play caller any decent coach in that situation where you have a chance to win at the end of the game you've got to move down the field you know the first time we had timeouts the second time we didn't but you're going 
to help your rookie quarterback. You're going to do things that are going to give him a chance. You're going to give him some extra... You're going to give your left tackle... You know, he's only been starting for three or four weeks, three or four games. You're going to give him some help. You're going to give your rookie quarterback some help. That's just... Coaching isn't just calling f***ing plays. Coaching is putting your guys in positions to be successful. Hugh Jackson did not put Kaiser and Drango and, you know, and the team in positions to be successful. He called his plays. He wanted to call his offense. And if it didn't work, well, I he can say, I tried, but it didn't work because the guy, you know, my roster's just not quite good enough. But they fought to the end, blah, blah, blah. Those fumbles aren't Hugh Jackson's fault necessarily but they are a direct result of the situation that he put his players in so if you want to say that's his fault or if you want to say it's not his fault fine but that that is the reality of the situation he put his players in a position that they were less likely to be successful and that frustrates me it frustrates me frustrates me that i feel like hugh jackson is doing the things that you would have said Considering the the approach that we're trying to take, the last thing, the one thing we don't need is a head coach that is going to do the things that it seems like Hugh Jackson is doing at the moment, trying to you know influence, and it all you know, and part of it is on Hugh Jackson in my mind, and part of it is on Haslam. Because I don't think Haslam is capable of not seeing himself as the final decision maker you know it's been talked about several times in during his ownership with you know joe banner and ray farmer and now sashi that you know they always talk about who's the final decision maker and you know has them always always going to be a consensus or it's going to be a group thing or oh it's well i'm trying to take less of a role but at the end of the day he cannot seem to get through his thick skull that being the owner that being the owner does not does not mean that he needs to make final decisions on football things when the gm and the head coach aren't agreeing and so i've got to step in and make this call i mean i just think you know i'm i know a lot of people don't like jimmy haslam and a lot of people think until he's no longer the owner we're going to have these problems i don't know that i don't know and people are like, oh, well, if we bring in like a czar, a football czar like Peyton Manning or whatever, I, how is that going to change from when when he brings in Paul DePodesta and, and, and promotes Sashi to, you know, Sashi's not the GM. I honestly don't know if it's Sashi or Sashi. Easy has me messed up on that. But Brown, well, I can't say Brown because of the Browns. Sashi, I like saying Sashi. Sashi is not the GM. He's the executive vice president of the Browns or whatever. So he should be the final decision maker or you know he gets together with paul to discuss things whatever Haslam should have no part in any decision that is made regarding acquisition of football players trades anything like that (laughs) and if he talked with them and you know if it was agreed upon that they were going to go with a certain approach and he understood that they they were all under the impression and under the understanding that this is going to take several years and he needs to get his fucking head out of his ass and stay out of things but i don't think he can do that i don't think i think he is just one of those people i'm the owner 
I think when we go through the transitions, when we when he fires people, and then you know he gets criticized for having an itchy trigger finger and all this, I think he think okay, well I'm this you know I'm gonna bring in these people now, and I'm gonna take a step back. I've I've gone through this now once. I've gone through this twice. I you know I've, I've got a better understanding of what my role should be. I, I need to let the I need to put the right people in place. Let them do their thing. But I think he can't help himself from being um, a person that people in the organization go to and say, hey, well, you know, what I really need is this. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I've never worked for an NFL team. I don't know what every single situation is like in across, you know, the 32 teams. What is it? exactly is a normal situation as far as the head coach and the GM and the owner and how how uh, much the owner is involved in things but basically the you know it seems to me that the owner should basically be like the queen of England you know every once in a while she shows up she tells people they're doing a good job people are like oh wow holy crap it's the queen she's not telling people what to do on a day-to-day she's not making decisions about what they should do with the you know how they should approach their health system or whatever she leaves that's the job of the freaking people that that know about health (laughs) hasm is the owner he needs to say this guy's in charge of football stuff he's completely in charge of football stuff I'm only going to get involved when I have to say you're fired, not when I have to say we here's what we need to do involving this specific situation. And I think he lets people get too close to him. He lets people get in his ear too much and he allows that to influence things and he at the end of the day it was it thinks, well I'm the owner. I have, you know, I've said this person is going to be in charge of this, this person be in charge of that, but at the end of the day I'm the owner. I had the final say. And if these guys can't agree on it, then I have to step in and make this decision. And that is the last thing he needs to do. He doesn't need to make any decisions. The only decision he needs to make, like I said, is if the GM or the front office needs to be fired. And if you notice, most successful franchises, they fire head coaches and all that way, way more than they fire front offices. However, we always seem to think as Browns fans, maybe that's why we always suck is our we seem to think things are going bad well i mean i like hugh jackson or i like this guy let's fire the front off wait i mean the gm missed on a quarterback let's bring in a new gm to pick players oh we won't get another coach as good as hugh shut up that's all i got i could keep ranting about how much i'm irritated about haslam and hugh jackson all i all i'm gonna say right now is i hope at the end of the season we take the that sashi takes a look at things and paul deep podesta they look and they decide if Hugh Jackson is not going to buy in to what they're trying to do, they have to get rid of him. And I think Haslam, the very last thing he needs to do is step in at this point after a year, you know, two years and fire the front office and keep the head coach. That would be the dumbest thing he could possibly do for, which for reasons I've already explained, but that would be so typical and so stupid that I'm sure it would be more popular with Browns fans than keeping Sashi because in my experience 
the majority of people it's not that they're stupid it's that they will continue to do to to want stupid decisions to be all right so maybe they are stupid you know if people think a certain way of doing things is the is the right way to do it it doesn't matter how many times in a row it doesn't work and proves to be the wrong way to do things they will continue to want to do it that way because that's the way it should be done whether it's football politics whatever that people they they because people don't want to they can't seem to wrap their head around that it's okay to be wrong about stuff sometimes and it doesn't mean any less of them it doesn't make them any any dumber to be wrong what makes you dumb is not being able to accept things what makes you dumb is not being able to accept when you're wrong when things are going in the wrong direction when something isn't working and doing the same thing over and over isn't going to fix the problem <laughs> anyway i gotta go into the grocery store and finish getting groceries please follow us on the dbn network again follow us on twitter at dbn network facebook the dbn network I appreciate I say I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I really really do. Hopefully I won't be this aggravated. like I'm, I'm not even I wasn't I've had having such a good day. I'm not I'm having a bad mood but then talking about talking about you and and the, and just the, you know you see things you see things said on Twitter and Facebook and DBN and all these and it just you know it doesn't bother me in the moment then once once i start talking about it i get more and more agitated but have a good i mean regardless of what you think about hugh or or the haslams or the kaiser or cody kessler or rg3 or whatever i hope you have a wonderful thanksgiving because in the, the day it's just football as 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 my girlfriend tracy would say it's just it's just people throwing a ball down the field oh and this Saturday, the Iron Bowl. So I hope you're watching that. Alabama versus Auburn. It's going to be a good one, I hope. And if you ever question how stupid... Oh, God. I hate being... like I, I don't hate being from Alabama. But sometimes it's just... A good example of what I'm talking about about it is just football. Uh, you know, there was a shooting in Alabama the other day. An Alabama fan shot an Auburn fan because they were arguing about the, um, I think it was in Mobile, too. I don't remember. But an Alabama fan shot an Auburn fan because they were arguing about which team was better. And, and this is not the first time stuff like this has happened. A few years ago, after the kick six, you, met, you should probably remember. Four years ago now, which is crazy. After the kick six... And an Alabama fan was at a party and was mad at some other fans because they weren't they weren't that agitated. You know, they said that, oh, it's it's not the end of the world. It would have been worse if the Miami Heat lost, which doesn't make any sense because they were in Alabama. I, mean, I, don't, I guess they were LeBron fans or something. I mean, the Heat lose all the they play Basketball, they play 80 games a season. The Heat lose all the time. But anyway... Obviously, they weren't that big of football fans, but who cares, right? But she, this lady got so mad that the, that the other, quote, Alabama fans weren't real fans that she pulled out a gun and shot them and killed one of the people. And there's been other instances of, like, Alabama and Auburn fans getting into fights and stabbing people. You know, I'm not one to point fingers, but it is usually the Alabama fans, I'll just say that. Because, <laughs> uh... But it's it's just, it's just a game, people. I get excited about it. I get very... 
you know, my emotions run high in the sense of being elated and being very sad, melancholy and sad when we lose, but I don't, you know, threaten people or stab folks about football. It's, it's just sports. It's a big part of our culture, but, you know, it's nothing to to get so riled up over. And in spirit with that, I'm going to stop being so riled up. I'll try to stop being so agitated sounding on my podcast. I've been... It makes sense, right? We're one in twenty-four, one twenty-five, whatever it is, and there's things about the about the situation that have you know, people's like responses. A lot of times, it's the way people respond to things that agitate me more than the actual situation. Although I've been really agitated the last week with, uh, like I said, Hugh, and and just thinking about the Haslam's and how like even if they make the right decision tomorrow, you feel like six months from now they're going like it's it's he's like jimmy and maybe d i don't know but i mean i'm assuming the i'm assuming i mean she's been involved too right that um sooner or later they're they're going to stick their their nose into stuff you know they just can't seem to help it and that's agitating but the most important thing is that it's the holiday season i love the holidays i get to have to have Thanksgiving with my lovely girlfriend tomorrow. My first time having Thanksgiving with her. That'll be great. We're staying, like I said, staying here in town, having a little Thanksgiving, just the two of us, and and my dog and my cat. And I hope, regardless of who your college football team is, hopefully, if you're, I mean, not hopefully, I don't care who you root for, but if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you're a Browns fan. So regardless of your opinion on the Browns, if we should keep Hugh or fire Hugh, keep Sashi, whatever. Whatever you think about the quarterbacks, whatever, whatever your political, religious affiliation is, nationality, gender, sex, race, ethnicity, whatever. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Now you're a mile. Oh, mile, mile, mile. Now you're a mile, mile. Mile, 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 Now you're a mile. M-A-N, man, 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 Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech, why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.